Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 133, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today we're joined by guest number two of the Uncapped Podcast, and the only person I've never interviewed for this show because I decided I didn't want to talk to him at that point, um, <laughs> mainly because I was extremely sick and didn't have a voice. Tom Bars, the owner, founder of Milkhouse Brewery at Still Point Farm. Morning, Chris. Glad to be back. And then all the way from last week's episode, we're joined again by Sarah Healy, the marketing manager of the fine establishment. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> So, one, we, let's just right off the bat talk about um, in two, three weeks, two, in, a, in a certain number of weeks, there is the ninth <laughs> annual brew fest on the farm, which is Saturday, June 8th. So I'll let everyone do the map, math or look at a calendar <laughs> to actually get the right number of weeks. So that, that um, started nine years ago. That math I can do. Um, and it kind of, it was part of the now maybe on a hiatus or defunct Frederick Beer Week. And w- was it always officially a part of that or it just kind of was? It started as part yeah. of that. It was the culminating activity for Frederick Beer Week. Uh, at Frederick Beer Week lasted, I guess, three or four years yeah. before um, uh, the Brewfest became its own entity at uh, Milkhouse Brewery. And the, it started as a... Uh, a way of supporting kind of Frederick County beer-related agriculture. It was at the hop farm, and that's... Was Those were very different times. They were very different times, uh, and we had way fewer breweries. Um, and it was, like I said, it was the culminating uh, activity of Frederick Beer Week because there were other activities for... In fact, Frederick Beer Week lasted initially 10 days, and we had... Uh, different restaurants and bars involved and all the Frederick breweries and other Maryland breweries uh, had different activities planned during that week in the Frederick County area. And then, and it was all, all a volunteer organization and, and uh, it, I think it sort of wore itself out a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and it's taking a hiatus. One of these days we'll get it back. Yeah. Well, I, I think a big problem now is there's just so much to do in Frederick and the entire area or all of Maryland that it's kind of hard to have a long... Because I think Baltimore Beer Week is also taking a hiatus. If Are I, they? Yeah, I think... I, Actually, it's just not even quote that. I could be completely wrong. So we'll pretend we'll strike strike that. Edit that out, Graham. Done. <laughs> well, I think I, I, I know that Joe Joe Gold, of course, who organizes yeah. Baltimore Beer Week, uh, does a fabulous job. Um, it has been has been concerned that it's just gotten so big and there's so many activities that it's difficult for it's difficult to focus on the beer. Yeah, um, because there's so many things. Well, and just. On a normal week, everyone oh, yeah. it, like it, it's. I think it's probably hard to do anything that differentiates it as a normal week, and with beer releases yeah, and events at every, every, yeah, bars are always having pint their nights yeah and pint stuff, nights yeah. tap takeovers with local breweries. So it it kind of 
it's basically just beer year all year round. <laughs> it is. You and almost don't. You don't like the re- whole reasoning for starting beer weeks locally. Kind of isn't needed anymore. The awareness is there, and well, and that's part of part of what has happened in our industry is we started with Frederick Beer Week, and Joe Gold started with Baltimore Beer Week. You know. We had beer releases. We had tap takeovers at local pubs. We had um, beer-related activities at uh, retailers, and uh, wholesalers got involved, and uh, and of course the bigger breweries and smaller breweries. We all uh, cooperated, so we did things that nobody had done locally anyway uh, until Frederick Beer Week. So now those things are routine. It's like the standard, and we don't need yeah. Frederick Beer Week to do that anymore. So yeah. we have to kind of rethink. Uh, what a Frederick Beer Week entity could do for the industry. And do we go industry-wide? Do we go add wineries and distilleries? Do we, you know, we're seeing more of... Frederick Alcohol Week. Right. In fact, there's going to be a festival. A ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's going to be a festival at the Liberty Town uh, Carnival Grounds, Fire Department oh, yeah. Carnival Grounds, August 10th, the first... He hit me with the microphone. Did you see that? <laughs> I, I, see, I was debating, should I tell you to lean back a little bit because you're too forward, or should I try uh, to slyly uh, just move the mic forward? Okay. Obviously, I made the wrong choice. It's okay, Chris. I'll yeah, forgive you. See how you. much better you, you can hear yourself? I, see how much better that sounds? Oh, but that's me? Oh, yeah. so uh, oh anyway, <laughs> so, but Sarah Frederick County, Frederick County's first alcohol alcoholic beverage festival is going to be at the Liberty Town Fireman's Carnival Grounds August 10th and I don't remember how many of us will be there but a significant number of breweries and wineries and distilleries only Frederick County uh, will be at this festival and I think that might be a new trend is mm-hmm. let's get all of us yeah. together well uh, so the there are um corporate entity also owns mag- a magazine publishing company uh, and they have a new magazine they came out with called fermentation it's oh, about cool. all like fermented foods and alcohols so they're having a fermentation festival um i think towards the end of the summer oh, that's where awesome. it's all like so expanding it even outside of just alcohol right. to yeah. all anything fermented that that's we consume awesome. yeah. you can have the kimchi <laughs> All right, so I kind of got us way off topic. Um, tell us more about the festival that is going to take place <laughs> instead of me taking us off course and talking about okay, Well, Sarah knows more about it than I do, but I'll, get, I'll start. <laughs> it is our ninth annual brew fest at the farm. Uh, it is on June 8th from noon to 6. We have 20 Maryland breweries are going to be there, including Milkhouse Brewery. Uh, Are we'll, you guys signed up for it? We, we did sign up. We did sign up for it. <laughs> Late, um, but, <laughs> but we made we, the cutoff. But we're excited to have some new breweries are going to be there from Maryland, and some of our old friends are also going to be there. So we'll have uh, our Frederick County breweries, and we'll have, I think, Duclaw is coming back, right? And, yeah, and we have um, Seven Locks, Astrolab, um, obviously Flying Dog, Hysteria is coming, cool. Idiom will be there, Old Mother. Um, Red Shedman, I can't name all of them. Checker Spot. It's a um, bunch of breweries. Bunch yeah, of breweries. it's going to be awesome. It's and a, and a really good selection of large and small and new and old. So it's going to be a perfect opportunity to sample the best beer in Maryland. And are there ki- 
family-friendly activities that take place. Yes, Yes. we're going to have, of course, the hayride to hoppiness. So there will be our hayride. We have a face painter coming. We have Sula with Sula Hoops is going to be there. She's Um, the highlight. She's a (laughs) she's a highlight for the kids. She gets all the kids dancing with her hula hoops in front of the band. That's fun. Uh, uh, We're going to have ooh ice cream. Oh yeah, we have a gelato truck coming. People like gelato. Yep, we have um, we have Sweet Farm, uh, Boxcar, Knife and Kitchen, Maita's Peruvian, Say Cheese. Say Cheese. So we have lots of food vendors. Yeah, so we've gone from our old friends chilling and grilling and grilling and chilling. Uh, little Ron and Wolfie will no longer be cooking for us. They've both decided to retire. So we've gone food truck. Um, oh. And I think, yeah, five food trucks will be there. Yep. Three bands, um, Ragged Company and... Oh, the Dave Zalanka Band um, and... You're bad. Hucklebuck. No, not no. Hucklebuck. Um, oh, my God. I'm picturing the poster in my brain. All right, so... Anyway, three bands. Where can... um, Well, she frantically tries to find that information, which (laughs) I... Actually, I guess I could probably be nice and help uh, (laughs) with a computer sitting right in front of me. I probably could have looked that up for you. Oh, my God. I'm the worst. Where where do people get tickets? So tickets are online at mdtix.com. Yep, and you can also get them um, in the Milk House Tasting Room as well. So they're available in the Tasting Room. We're open Thursday through Sunday, and tickets are on sale... Until midnight the night before the event. And then if there are tickets left, we will have tickets at the door as well. Cool. The Brahmin Noodles. That's the other band. That's right. our other band. Good job, Sarah. <laughs> I didn't schedule it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So people should go to that. The few that I've been able to attend, um, which is only a couple because you always schedule it on a weekend that I can't go. Thanks a lot. Um, That's what you get for were, being a dad. They were, they, they were a lot of fun. Um, it is a beautiful farm, so it, it's the perfect scenery to kick back and enjoy some great and craft beer, listen to music. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's down on the farm, so it's not up at the brewery. The brewery is open as well, so the tasting room is open as normal. But the festival itself is down on the farm. Um, you get, you know, the hop, the hop, hayride to hoppiness takes you through the hop yard and around the farm up on top of the hill so you can see the whole festival. Uh, the, it, it's really a good time. The, the, uh, there's a natural amphitheater in front of the bands, in front of the bank barn. Um, so you could sit and get a beer, get a sandwich, have a picnic. Um, you can bring tents and set up above on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see everything. It's so bring lawn chairs, bring a pop up, uh, come hungry and come thirsty. All right. So now let's just talk about your story because I um, I find it fascinating your path that you took to becoming a brewery owner. You've kind of re- reinvented yourself multiple times. Well, I don't like. Do you to remember be, that far back? I I can remember way back. <laughs> I re, I remember. Um, so. Beer. Let's talk about beer. Okay. I was 18 years old, or I was going to turn 18 years old, and my dad used to travel for work. And he brought me, and he knew I liked beer. Uh, even though it was not legal for me to drink, he knew I liked beer. And he brought me a homebrew kit from Boots Chemist in London. And it was a little pale ale kit, and it was for my 18th birthday, so I brewed my first beer 
on March 9, 1972. It wasn't even legal yet in, uh, in the United States. I was going to say, I don't know, brewing wasn't even legal then, was it? <laughs> so when did that ever stop me? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it was actually not very good, but it got me hooked. <laughs> and uh, you have to remember, I didn't know, but uh, English and American measures are different. So, <laughs> so I, I didn't explode any bottles, uh, and the beer was drinkable. But it got me hooked. So in those days, you couldn't go to your local homebrew shop. There was certainly no online. So you had to go to the grocery store. At that time, you could get blue ribbon malt syrup in a can, and it came light and dark, hopped and unhopped. What would that even be used for? Other, like, uh, it was from right. it was from prohibition days when you could uh, not follow the instructions to make beer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hopped That's syrup. What does that taste like? It was actually sweet and delicious. Uh, <laughs> and now, you know, they actually, and the, the company got bought by some larger homebrew uh, malt uh, business. And so you can basically get the same stuff. I remember uh, Bob Frank in his homebrew store had some old cans of it sitting way up on a shelf oh, in his wow. store. That's cool. And uh, at, the, at his old location in downtown Frederick. But uh, we used to use a lot of that and uh, corn sugar. And once in a while, my dad would go back to England. And he'd bring me home hops and yeast. And we ma- I made a lot of beer with Fleischmann's bread yeast. Uh, <laughs> How well does that work? It works. It's amazing, actually. Uh, it actually works, and your beer tastes like bread, um, especially if you don't have enough hops. <laughs> uh, but we drank it anyway and loved every minute of it. So, and there was, you know, and all the information about making beer was from England, at least English books. They were all English homebrew books. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that is what got me started. So I, then I became a homebrewer. And then when it was legal, um, Bob Frank opened his store in 1980, I think it was. And there was another store that opened in 82 or 3 in Gaithersburg. Oh, I didn't realize the Flying Barrel had been around that long. Well, and it was a self-serve establishment in the antique... It was an antique mall uh, on Carroll Street where uh, Blue Ridge uh, went in. So, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, right down the street from the antique mall, Blue Ridge uh, Brewery went in. And... And then, that, of course, Bob Frank moved his store. But it was a self-serve store. It was an antique. He was working. And so you could go in there and pick up your little homebrew stuff and pay at the antique store counter. Um, <laughs> so it was self-serve. And then he, when he finally opened his actual store, it was kind of next door. And um, that was where Blue Ridge had been before they moved out to where Flying Dog is now. So I would go get my stuff from Bob and kept brewing beer. And then Carol Ann and I bought the farm in 2008 planted hops and bought sheep so we've been raising sheep and hops since ever since you don't use the sheep in the beer no but we do use them in the hop yard (laughs) to keep the weeds down so they do a good job for me they're excellent natural weed eaters selective weed eaters yeah and they and they do a really nice job for us so then anyway so i planted way too many hops and thought well you know we can sell these hops uh, so I went to the beer festival at Union Mills. I think it was in 2009 and brought a bunch of hops, handed them out to brewers, didn't know what I was doing, handed them out to brewers, and then 
two days later, I got a call from Hugh Sisson at Heavy Seas. Hi, Hugh. And he said, do you have any more of those Maryland hops? I said, sure I do, Hugh. So I made an appointment, went down, brought a bunch of hops. We sat around, and he's rubbing them in his hand and smelling them. And he's like, these are the best hops I've ever seen. I said, good, I'm glad you like them. Do you want to buy them? He says, yeah, I'll buy everything you've got. I said, good, they're $18 a pound. <laughs> Just a little high. Which was like, yeah, five times more than <laughs> he was already paying. But So he got some, and we um, we made a beer with... Uh, with the my hops, it was actually a porter, and at first I'm like, "You're going to use local hops," and it was a, a wet hop porter, and I thought it would be horrible, and it was delicious. And so it had my hops and Del Hayes, who was another hop grower in the county. He and I kind of got this thing started, and um, and then Flying Dog uh, started using our hops, and in um, their Secret Stash series, the first Secret Stash yeah, series. Yeah, I remember. And we and Steve Jones at Pratt Street Alehouse uh, loved our Chinooks, and he used his Chinooks in some of his beers. So we, um, I started thinking, and you can stop me because I'll keep going forever. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good place to point. Then we, we will stop, take a real quick break to thank our sponsor, and then you can continue your story after that. Okay. And I will will remind you to stay silent during the thanking period. <laughs> so. Thank you. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. So when, when you first started growing hops, was your plan just to use them yourself or was it always to try to sell to breweries? Well, I knew I had planted way more than I could ever use in my huh. own brew. So uh, I, I initially thought, well, if I'm going to own a farm, I'm going to grow something that I love and see if I can sell it. So we plant, I planted a half an acre, which was huge for me. I mean, two or three plants is all you need as a home brewer. So I, um, I always had the idea of trying to sell them. And then uh, after we started selling them, I thought to myself, I'm still home brewing. I'm brewing in the old milk and parlor. And I thought, you know, the wineries grow grapes and make wine. I wonder if we could make beer and sell it because we grow beer ingredients. So, of course, we go to the county, and the county says no, because uh, <laughs> I think the county says no. That's their initial answer to everything. Um, and we finally, so at the same time, uh, Tom Flores from Monoxy and Greg Clayball, who's a farmer in Keymore, were working on uh, experimentally malting barley. And Greg had been growing barley for a while and working with the University of Maryland. And... So they were interested in having a farm brewery, and we were interested in having a farm brewery. So we finally got Frederick County actually to change the zoning ordinance to allow a form of farm brewery, and it was based on a language that existed in the Calvert County zoning ordinance, which was to try to help tobacco farmers that were not allowed to farm tobacco anymore. Uh, there was a lawsuit that against tobacco companies, and so tobacco was out. So Calvert County, decided they had a farm winery and a farm distillery and a farm brewery ordinance in their zoning ordinance. So I found that, 
showed it to Frederick County, and they said, well... But at that time, there still weren't any farm breweries there were none. in Maryland, right? No, there was no, none. Yeah, none. None. The only farm brewery in existence in North America was Cranach Ales in British Columbia, Canada. And they were growing their own hops and making beer. Um, and and the, uh, the wife, and I can't remember her name, published a book about growing hops on a small scale as well, which I had bought, and that's how I found out about their little brewery. So... And at, so, the, at the state level, there wasn't a license there was yet no, either, right? There was right. none. You had to have a Class 5 license, which cost $1,500 or something. Um, our farm brewery license is $200. So if you wanted to have a farm brewery, one of the problems was under the Frederick County Ordinance is that you also had to have a, a commercial liquor license, which at that time you could not get in an agricultural zoning district. So it's like, okay, you can make the beer, but you can't sell it. <laughs> so um, so we went to Kelly Schultz, who was our delegate at the time in the House of Delegates. She was our local delegate. And she and um, – so Gary Brooks, actually, at, for, who used to own Barley and Hops, Tom Flores, Greg Clayball, and Adam Fry, and I met with uh, Kelly Schultz and said, we really would like to do something like the wineries do. You know, can you help us out? So she was like – this is awesome. This will help Maryland farmers. We can get behind this. And she found a million sponsors for the bill, and it was introduced into the Senate and the House. And I didn't realize what a miracle this was at the time, but the fact that an alcohol bill that helped breweries passed unanimously in both houses the first time around <laughs> apparently is a really big miracle. <laughs> I have since found that that's difficult, although we had a great year this year in front of the state legislature. Um so we, I had already started building the brewery under the Frederick County Ordinance, the farm, and and then when we got the Maryland law passed, it was passed in 2012. Martin O'Malley was the governor, signed it into law, and it went into effect July 1st of 2012. So and it created the Class 8 farm brewery, and we were the first one. So we, um, and it was much better for uh business than the county ordinance so we just kind of forgot about the county ordinance <laughs> didn't worry about it didn't need to get a class five uh brewery now adam fry went that other route um initially uh and decided he would try to be a production brewery under the class five frederick county farm brewery ordinance under the zoning ordinance um and but ended up finally changing over to a class eight himself as well and he since has built a tasting room and yeah, because being a class eight really only makes sense if you have a tasting room that you're selling. Exactly, through. exactly. So we be and actually, it's kind of interesting. It became the model for the kind of modern class five, like the old mother and the attaboy. You know, where yeah, the tasting room is the main part of the business. Yeah, because back then you were the only brewery that could sell directly to a customer for we were, consumption on site. We were allowed to be open from ten to ten, seven days a week. Um, we could serve you a pint. You could come and have, uh, you know, get a flight of samples. Uh, we were the only brewery that was allowed that in the state. We were open before a bar or liquor store could sell beer on Sunday. That's crazy. So yeah, <laughs> to think of you know. So we did you know, and so we didn't even think of those advantages. We, what we did was we took the Winery Modernization Act, which had passed. I think the session before, it might have been two sessions before in the state legislature, and we basically mirrored that law 
into the farm brewery line. Find and replace wine for beer? Sort of. <laughs> I, it was a little more complicated than that. And we did that actually at mine and Adam's kitchen table, you know, writing, crossing out and, you know, adding stuff. And then, of course, you hand it over to legislative services at the state legislature, and they turn it into the wonderful legalese that it is today. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you, you made a big jump in your your timeline <laughs> but you were a lawyer at one time also uh, right yeah i i have done a lot of things in my multiple careers i practiced law in frederick county um i retired from that in 2002 and taught high school at gaithersburg high school in montgomery county for 10 years what kind of law did you practice uh, i was a trial lawyer mostly criminal defense a little workers comp a little bit of personal injury but um mostly uh, criminal defense uh, which was awesome. It was fun. I love going to court. Um, I represented uh, people that you would not normally want to meet on the street, uh, <laughs> and uh, but I loved it. You know, I represented your constitutional rights and your constitutional rights. Uh, those are the loopholes, you know, that people complain about finding. Um, <laughs> you happens to be your constitutional rights. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I did that, and I retired, and. Uh, decided I did a lot of juvenile work as well, and I love kids, and I had my own two teenage boys, which you can have if you want. Now, they're all grown, no, no trouble at all. <laughs> um, and decided to go into teaching in public school and, and went back to baby teacher college and at night <laughs> and got my certification and started teaching, and I loved it. It was a great job. It was so much fun. I should have been fired every day. <laughs> we had so much fun. So, uh, but at that same time, I was building the farm, you know, planting the hops, raising sheep, uh, decided to build the brewery, and I finally retired from teaching after 10 years and did the farming full-time. What did you teach? I taught social studies. I taught a civics class. We call it NSL, National, State, and Local Government, and I taught a law class, which was an elective. And I was the mock trial coach. And I did mock trial. Did you really? Did yeah. you? Do you like to argue? No. I'm very... <laughs> I'm very amicable. Chris is Mr. Mr. Mellow. <laughs> Tom is not. I like to argue. Anyway, so I, I did that. And um, yeah, so I was a lawyer and teacher and farmer. And, and when I was a kid, uh, my folks bought a farm in West Virginia, in Preston County. And I uh, raised sheep and made hay and planted three acres of wine grapes that never went anywhere because I got accepted into law school and my mother made me go. So... I took a hiatus from agriculture for a few years. <laughs> so that's, yeah, and so now I farm full-time. We raise a rare breed of sheep, Lester Longwool, which are... Uh, yeah, from uh, what I understand, like one of the only places in the U.S. that... Well, no, you have the largest... We have one of the larger flocks of this particular breed, and uh, it's the breed that Colonial Williamsburg saved because they wanted to have authentic um, sheep for their animal husbandry program. So... Uh, when Carol Ann decided that she wanted to raise sheep, uh, that's the breed that she selected. So we um, are, in fact, our breed group meeting every year is at Colonial Williamsburg, which is kind of cool. I like. So we ended up, don't ask me why or how, but we ended up with one of the larger flocks. And we sell breeding stock and we sell wool and we sell a little bit of lamb. I have a on-farm processing license to sell meat. And, uh, and we have a few... It, so yeah, there we have the sheep, and we have a few three useless equines. They are um, not useless; they're <laughs> very cute. 
we have a, a Aramis is a warm blood. That's Carol Ann's horse. She used to breed horses, and that's her last baby. And then we have a miniature donkey named Jezebel. And she Who actually, is my spirit animal. She actually has <laughs> stolen my heart as well. She's really cool. She's and then we awesome. have a miniature horse, Joe, uh, who looks like he belongs in a fairy tale. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> a mini Barbie pony. <laughs> yes, he's he awesome. does. He's awesome. And then um, and we raise a few beef cows, uh, some Herefords, basically so I can eat steak for free because we're not making any money on those. But uh, And then a lot of um, high-quality horse hay, uh, which we sell. And have some honeybees and two insane dogs, and that's the farm. So when you were a teacher, you opened the farm, just kind of, you like started the farm as kind of a hobby, right? Yes, I did. Absolutely. I don't understand you crazy people who, <laughs> who yeah, want to like, operate. I have a hobby farm, yeah. and that's not a hobby. That's yeah. a lot of yeah. work. My, my grandfather was the same way. He worked for General Motors like all night, too. Like He mm. worked the third shift, Gosh. and then he would go farm like all day. And his farm made next like pretty much no money. He sold mm-hmm. a little bit of corn during the summer, and and then slept for like an hour or two maybe. And then went back to work. Yeah, and then went went to work. Well, it's a it is a. Um, this is a if I was if I had oh, still yeah. been practicing law the way I used to, I probably couldn't do it. I mean, not the, with the same energy. Uh, I mean, when I was practicing law, you know, it's seventy hour weeks, and uh, and if you're in trial, it's eighty hour week. Yeah, and, and you're getting emails and notifications. So you have to write motions, and, yeah. and, you know. So that's, but teaching after doing that for twenty years, teaching was like a part-time job, you know. To I me, I don't. I was going to say I don't think any teachers are listening. No I don't teacher. like that statement. No, <laughs> I, I'm just saying to me. Yeah. I mean, I, you know. Plus, I had the summers off. I was home at three thirty every day. I had snow days and holidays and Christmas and Easter and. Right. I'm like, well, it's just I, I have friends who are, are trial lawyers and it's like plans often get broken because sure. something all of a sudden happens with a case and like everything's on strict deadlines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, there's, so if something, oh, yeah. if something happens with a case, you can't like, oh, I'll do that later. No, You're you'll doing do it, it now. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, you will find yourself in contempt and in jail, um, <laughs> which is not where you want to be. Yeah. So, I mean, and I loved So you're not so saying long. teaching is easy. No, 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 just not easier. at all. <laughs> it, was, it was less hours. Yeah. For me, it was less hours. So a lot of teachers work way, way. If you know teachers, and I know a lot of teachers, they work their hearts out. I'm married to one. Yeah, so you know. Yeah. They work their hearts out, and they work way more than they're, they work way more than they should for what they get paid. So, uh, you know, teachers don't get paid enough. So country. then you decide to skate by by just becoming a farmer. Well, and Carol Ann was teaching as well. <laughs> right. So, well, Carol Ann was teaching, and, I, you know, I, I, so I thought, well, let's try to make some money on this farm. So part of actually the purpose of Still Point Farm, believe it or not, is to show young farmers that you can make a living on a small farm in the mid-Atlantic, and even if you're paying a mortgage on it, you, if you, if you can come up with um, a value-added agricultural product that you can sell retail, then you can support your farm and actually make a living on the land, and that's super cool. So, and I would <clears> think <throat> like the general um, attitude of society now really leans towards that too with the the trend of everyone wants local so while yeah there are plenty of 
like regular breweries that are locally made, but you're locally locally made. Well, right. and people do like to know where their food comes yeah. from. I mean, it's this Absolutely. is a trend that this is a trend that's been going on for ten years, fifteen years. It's like those damn hippies. You know, the, um, the hippies and the millennials, yeah. man. They're just ruining America. So people like to know. So it, that extends to their beer and their wine and their Are there any spirits. other groups you guys want to affect today? I am a millennial. And I am an old hippie. So, uh, but, so people like to know where their food comes from. And at my farm, because part of our goal is to support Maryland agriculture and to show that Maryland agriculture can support the beverage industry, or at least part of the beverage industry, we wanted to make sure that we made beer with as many Maryland ingredients as we can. And so now, thank goodness, we have two malt houses in Maryland, Dark Cloud in Cooksville in Howard County and Chesapeake up in Harford County. The majority of our beers are 100% Maryland grown. So we have, and we work, we actually work with Dark Cloud to grow our own barley and wheat. Um, so, like, our Hefeweizen is 100% Maryland grown. Our little Belgian farmhouse ale, which is our most, is it still our most popular? It depends on the week. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of our most popular beers is 100% Maryland grown. This new little lager that we make is 100% Maryland grown. And at one time, I, I hate to say it, but a 100% Maryland beer did not taste good. No. Well, when we struggled with that we struggled when, when we came online with the malt houses. But you know? now, it, I mean, it's just... It's a beer made with Maryland products. It Absolutely. It's just as exactly. good. And, and, it's, and there, there is, not always, but sometimes, and some of our customers notice a flavor difference. Um, and I think that it's really the fact that themselves. it's fresher. No, I think <laughs> you can take, because we use a malt that was just malted two weeks ago rather than a year ago. Yeah. And you can taste yeah, the freshness. Well, we pick it up the day before we brew. And we mill it right that you know, so the freshness yeah. you can definitely taste, but to be able to work with these local malt houses and hop growers is also showing young farmers that they can diversify and you're not just relying on the standard corn, soy, wheat. You know, there there's some there can be something interesting about the product that you're doing. And it doesn't have to be beer or wine or no. it, it could be cheese, it could be there was a guy making still is um heirloom tomato sauce. You know, um, there's a new place. Now, I, I would definitely that I'm has to that. that has to taste completely different. Yeah, because that is, I don't I don't know if there's any other piece of produce that is so dramatically different, whether it's purchased in the store or grown in a garden. Yeah, like, the taste isn't even comparable. No. So it's anyway. So there, if you like, I said, if you can come up with a value added agricultural product. Whatever that might be, ice cream or cheese or wine or beer or spirits um, or tomato sauce or um, Yarn. there's several. There are several. Yeah, like we grow this. The, we raise these sheep and we, uh, we, unfortunately, they have closed. They retired. There was a woolen mill in Walkersville that we worked with that processed our wool into yarn that we sell at farmers markets and at the brewery and online and um, at the Sheep and Wool Festival. And so we're working Fiber on Fest. Fiber Fest. Yep. What what is that? And uh, I no. really don't know. It's something this company does, <laughs> but I'm not. A, I'm not a knitter or no. Or, or, is that not a knitting? knitter or a home brewer? I'm not a home brewer either. We discussed this <laughs> in our last <laughs> chat. But anyway, so you can so so we chose beer because I 
make beer and I love beer and uh, so and the other thing that's happened too Chris is that Maryland hops have way improved yes so the Maryland growers even us I mean I, I've always been happy with my hops uh, but now we have Dan Carroll who is getting ready to open Prospect Point Brewery Farm Brewery in Frederick County uh, had planted where is that in Frederick Figgyville right on 180 on the way to Jefferson um, it's on the right hand side uh, on your way to Jefferson outside of Frederick. Okay. So it's, I think it's three miles outside of Frederick. Uh, it used to be an old horse farm, and the infield of the horse track is his new 10-acre hop yard. That is so oh, cool. Oh, cool. That's yeah. so cool. So there, anyway, so he's in Frederick County. Then we have um, Che Carton in Baltimore County, Big Truck Hops in Baltimore County. Uh, Adam Dellinger was just over the line. Is Che opening Carl- a brewery also? He's working on it. Okay. He I is thought, working I on it. I thought I had heard and that. And Big Truck's working on it too. Yeah. So we have some really, really high quality hops being grown in Maryland, and they are delicious. And the terroir makes a difference. A cascade grown in Maryland is different. I'm not saying it's better, but it's different in interesting ways than a cascade grown in Oregon or even in New York. Yeah. Depending so, on the, the area just like that wine. the. Yeah, it's you completely know. different. So I really like that fact. In fact, the brewer at Empire uh, Brewing in New York, in well, now they have a new brewery in, um, uh, I forget the name of the little town, but it's a farm brewery. They grow their own hops. And anyway, the brewer, uh, Tim Butler, hated Cascade hops. Every other brewery in America was brewing with Cascade hops. This is like 10 years ago, and he's like, you know, I'm not, so I'm going to be that guy who doesn't. Well, like that, you with Simcoe? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And Citra oh. and all Mosaic. Good, and all the good ones. Yeah, all the horrible ones, you mean? Good ones, yeah. all, all the horrible ones. So uh, anyway, so somebody gave him some New York-grown Cascade hops, and he's like, okay, okay, I'll try to pilot. Anyway, he fell in love with New York Cascade because they were different enough. And then so he all of a sudden he's buying New York Cascades all over the place um, and uses them and uh, convinced um, – Dave uh, Kadleski, who you, I think you probably met at last year's Flying Dog event. He was the, he used to be the president of the New York Brewers Association. Oh, yeah, yeah, I met him. And he, um, he convinced David, who owns Empire Brewing, uh, to um, start this farm brewery in New York growing hops that they use now in the brewery, and especially Cascades. So. Yeah, because every year Flying Dog, last year was the first year, right? Yes, for, for field notes, right? And that, but they two years ago? Uh, at some Maybe point, yeah. Recently. But they 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 yeah. release a mix pack of different beers. Oh, the made, Northeast, uh, yeah, yeah, the East the, Coast, right? Yeah, right. oh yeah, field cool notes one. is separate. That's yeah. a beer. Yeah, field, field notes is, is from the University of Maryland. That's University of Maryland, right. Maryland. but and at the, the same Coast, time, yeah, the Hop Project. Yeah, because he had hops from Dan Carroll's and Che Carton and Rick Peterson. Rick Peterson at Peterson Farms in New York. Was a big truck the other one? No. I think it was only three. Or just just three. a three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, four of each. It was a pale ale, an IPA, and a Hoppy Lager, maybe? I don't remember. Neither do I. That was that a was fun a long event. Time ago. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. Many beers ago. Yeah. So um yeah, Rick is one of the larger hop growers in New York, uh, Peterson Farms. And he also is a organic vegetable farmer, like fifteen hundred acres. Uh and he has like, a lot of acres. That's a He's lot crazy. of acres. Anyway, he and his wife are wonderful and they produce really nice hops as well. They really do. So, I guess we'll go back to where we started. Now, Maryland 
beer-related agriculture produces ingredients that make fabulous beer. And so we use those ingredients at Milkhouse and make fabulous beer with those yeah, it's ingredients. No, it's no longer, I mean, I think it's a harsh word to use, connotation, but a gimmick. I mean, at one time it sure. was kind of a gimmick to right. use all Maryland ingredients because yeah. like, it wasn't. Well, because that just necessi- y- you're right, exactly, Chris. It, it's not cool just to use Maryland ingredients. I mean, it's, it's cool, cool to make good beer, but yeah. it's really cool to use local Maryland ingredients and make really yeah, good beer, and not to have a discernible taste difference. Like it, the only reason you know that there are Maryland ingredients because I'm telling you, you. yeah, because you're being right. told, mm-hmm. not because like oh, this doesn't taste that great. Was this all Maryland totally. stuff? <laughs> well, and you've seen now that we have all these farms online and these two malt houses, you've seen a huge influx of interest from brewers in wanting to, the the demand yeah. is there. So the industry is just trying to catch up. Yeah. You know, I mean, and we're then, one of the smaller breweries and we're buying up almost the entire product from a malt house. Yeah. So you, you have, and, and it's a lot of it's thanks to you, you pioneering the way. And then with the support of flying dog at the very beginning, you working with them, um, and then the University of Maryland Agriculture Extension getting involved to do the research. And yep. there's, a, there's a lot of resources being put into the education and learning how to Absolutely. do everything. Right. And, I, you know, and it took a long time. We finally did get the University of Mar- Maryland Extension Service involved with hops. And then they also did a, a bar- barley malting trial. barley trial. Unfortunately, they ran out of funds for that and it was they had and they were very successful with that and so it's really too bad that we ran out of money because um the research that they did there and the data is there would have been very helpful to maryland grain farmers of which there are plenty yeah who would be interested in producing malting barley and we'll get there one of these days we don't have the infrastructure it's not like out in the upper midwest where farmers can store their grain at a silo make sure it's properly dried um and tested. Yeah, because now the, the weak link is just the malt house capacity. Right? Exactly. Malt house capacity and grain storage and handling. Okay. So we don't, some farmers do, but a lot of, usually you grow your wheat or your beans, your corn, you take it to the silo, sell it, get your check, and you're done. There's a whole new, another step involved. If you're going to grow malting barley, you need to have it stored for, in a proper place so that when the malt house is ready for it you can get it to them okay you can't the malt house would never be able to handle everybody's malt at the, or loads b- of barley at the same yeah. time you know so you're going to have to be yeah, able to the problem out. is everyone's harvesting at, at the, the same, same time exactly. <laughs> so it needs to be able to be stored and and the malt houses i don't think are going to have that capacity we actually had jan gardner held a, an agricultural summit a couple weeks ago and one of the things that came up was trying to find seed, find seed money, to start a malt house in Frederick County. Oh wow! So it's something that we're seriously looking at, and I guess it's my fault. So sorry, Sarah. But, <laughs> but you know, I, but I've been really an advocate since the beginning of trying to figure out how to support Maryland farmers and put Maryland farmers and beverage producers together. It doesn't have to be beer, but, you know, uh, whiskey. I know that uh, there's a fellow up in um, Carroll County producing all of the rye for one of our Maryland uh, distilleries. And uh, I can't remember which distillery or which farmer it is, but I, 
uh, I've met him, and he actually pr provided some of the rye. Is he organic? And he is organic. And he has a CSA farm as well. If he's organic, it might be McClintock then. Yeah, it probably is McClintock. And he has a CSA farm up in Carroll County. He's like in uh, New Windsor or something. Yeah, I can't remember. I forget his name. Either. Great guy. He provided some of the uh, rye for us. We made this beer with the University of Maryland's first hop harvest, and we made a little pale ale with uh, University of Maryland hops and some of this guy's rye. And it was a really delightful little beer. What did we call it? Test Yard. Test Yard. Yeah. What's your favorite beer that Milk House has made? Oh, my God, Chris. They're all my babies. Which is not true. He doesn't drink a lot of them. <laughs> I drink a lot. All of them. I prefer. <laughs> you drink all of them a little bit. Okay. I'm a Goldie's man. What can I tell you? What's the best one you've made? Oh, man. I, my favorite beer we ever made was one of our wild yeast beers. Mm. It was barrel number nine. I thought it was barrel six. Oh, I'm favorite? sorry. It was barrel number six. It was, <laughs> it was this delightful, Wallonian style, um, barrel fermented wild yeast, um, turbid mash. Three years in the barrel beer. It that was awesome. It was um, slightly tart, um, and fruity and delectable, and only like what six five and a half percent, six percent. Mm -hmm. We only had 59 gallons of it. It was an experiment. And well, it we was still have the culture. The culture lives on. Yeah, so we went around the farm and collected yeast about three years ago. And um, from the east, north, south, and west side of an oak tree, a cherry tree, an elm tree, and we collected some yeast from the air, and we built these yeast strains up, and some of them were really horrible. I mean, grotesque. Horrible. Okay, well, that was all wrong. Because uh, the best beer you've ever made was a grapefruit pale ale. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that. It wasn't actually really. I drank a lot of that he beer. He was so <laughs> mad about that. He was mad about every part of that. And then he drank more of it than anybody. That was a great beer. It was a great beer. And an amazing idea. A genius came up with that. So genius. it was actually. And, and, and the Frederick News Post staff actually helped. They ground the grapefruit. Zested. Yeah, we zested, zested the, them. Excuse me. Zesty. You zested them. And. That ben, was a great ben, beer. God, ben, I forgot about that. Ben Little convinced me I should use a half a pound of Simcoe hops in the Whirlpool to boost, <laughs> to boost the citrus in the Cascades, it was the Maryland fabulous. Cascades. It was a good beer. I know. I remember when we were meeting, and I suggested those hops, and I it was and Abby at that time, mm -hmm. and she said that uh, Tom probably will not go for that. <laughs> <laughs> probably. After <laughs> talking to get lightly. After talking to Ben. To who, a professional. <laughs> well, Ben was at, um, he was at Manor Hill still. And he, uh, of course, they use tons of Simcoe and Citra. Yeah. And th they make that Citra Splendor. And um, I kept yelling at Ben all the time that I hated his beer. And he finally <laughs> made a little amber for me, <laughs> just for me. <laughs> that was delicious. So I said, okay, you promised me it's not going to taste like cat pee. So I promise. So we used it. And it, it really did exactly what he said it would do. It boosted, it the, it boosted the citrus in the Cascade. It really, you know, that, and we put some uh, rye in that as well, didn't we? To, or was it wheat? wheat. To um, to give it a little mm -hmm. stringency. So most of the grapefruitiness of that came from the hops and the and the grains rather than the fruit itself. And we did put the grapefruit zest in there, but I think most of the the grapefruit character um, was really hop character. 
So, yeah. So it was, anyway, it was delicious, and it was only 4%, and I drank a hell of a lot of it. Yeah, it was delicious. It was a great idea. And Colin McGuire drank a lot of it too because it was really hot that day we had our little yeah. festival oh, yeah, and was. he and he was the he was the sound guy for the band um that was a fun day. and it was hot and he was sweaty as hell and i just kept handing him beers yeah well his idea was really stupid the stout he, yeah it was like an imperial stout for <laughs> yeah. a july yeah event. he it ended up being yeah. he ended up being hot. very happy we <laughs> didn't do that <laughs> And all of us told him he was a moron. <laughs> Hi, Colin. <laughs> he won't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, awesome. that so was that a good, was the best beer. It was a really made. it was the a best. delightful beer. It <laughs> reminded me. So when we first started, we made a little um, ordinary bitter, very similar to Goldie's. Now we called Haymaker because uh, it was, and it was only three point seven percent. It was really easy to drink it. And I used to say, "Oh, it's a great beer because you can drink it all day while you're making hay," um, which we used to do <laughs> um but yeah so it reminded me of that but it was uh, more like a pale ale and it was it was a delightful you're right chris it was a delightful beer so where did the name milk house come from well we when i first got the idea of building a brewery a farm brewery i was going to put it in the milk house my farm is an old dairy farm and i was home brewing in the the, the milk house or dairy because there's a dairy building and a milking parlor next to each other it's all kind of one building and I thought, oh, I could convert this into a, a little brewery and have a tasting room in the milk and parlor, and I'll have 10 guys down here drinking my stout with me. That's, that was my idea. I mean, you think back 10 years, you didn't think about a brewery on a farm. There were none of these breweries like Old Mother or Attaboy with a tasting room. Those didn't exist. So I yeah. thought, I'll have a unique thing. Yeah, I'll get 10 or 15 guys down here drinking a beer with me. Oh my God, Michael! I am so glad that that didn't happen because I would be divorced. Because <laughs> the milking parlor is right behind my house, and you know, I mean, you've been at the my, yeah. at the brewery on a Saturday. There's 200 it's people bad. there. So I had a um, so the name was so I was going to name it Milk House because it was in the Milk House and it was a dairy, and so it kind of fit. Um, but I had a thank God had a uh, already had an approved septic up on the hill where the brewery is now is it was going to be a tenant house so it so i had a septic uh approval didn't have a septic system in, but we had an approved perk area so jeff musselman who owns muscle he and his brother own musselman excavating in liberty town uh was my guy and he said why don't you just put the damn thing up on the hill and he's chucky's nephew you know house. chucky yeah. so uh, that's going to cost too much money he anyway he convinced me to do it and i'm so glad i did because now even Carol Ann likes to go up there. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, I couldn't even, it, it wouldn't even be remotely the same experience if it was oh, down no. there. Oh, no. It would no. It would have collapsed on itself. It would have been You would have had to build the tasting room up on the hill anyway. Yeah. Right. You know what I, I mean? mean? It would have been immediate expansion needed. I mean, part of the beauty of is being on uh, the hill, the brewery, man. Yes, being up on that hill and yeah. just the view in every direction. It's awesome. It's it just is. like instantly relaxing. It, it is. It is a gorgeous place. We love it. I mean, I I feel like I'm on vacation every day. You know, I even don't. though even though I work, <laughs> I work. It's okay, Sarah. <laughs> you know, and listen, I still work quite a bit on the farm. Uh, in fact, when we're done here, I got to go bale some hay. And we, you know, and we finished lambing about a month ago. Have fourteen little ones on the ground. Everybody's healthy so far. And if people guess right now, how many bales of hay? They already guessed. Can, oh, did they? I, Somebody I nailed it. 
I think someone had insider knowledge. I do not know that person. Oh, okay. No. I guessed there wrong. There was some wild get. <laughs> he did guess wrong, actually. You did. The hay was a little lighter than I thought. Oh, well. Do you need I was off Chris? by one. Um, or do you want I, some goldies? No, I want some more of this because it was really good. I'm that's sure, a, I mean, that's a 100% really Maryland beer you're drinking there, Chris. That one... So the nec- that's the nectarine? Mm-hmm. So the nectarines are from Bogger's Orchard up in Carroll County. Uh, and all the rest um, of the ingredients are from right here in Maryland. Deep. I could really go for a grapefruit pale ale right now. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to wait. <laughs> you'll have to wait till we can get some grapefruit from Maryland. Yeah, how about that? You better build that's a greenhouse. A, yeah, a very large Somebody greenhouse. asked if we were going to do a glitter beer. And I was like, yeah, when glitter is sustainably grown in Maryland, that's <laughs> they didn't think that was really funny. should do. A gl- that would, no, would we really of, shouldn't. It would kind of be hilarious. It would I wonder be hilarious. if you could make glitter out of corn sugar. Well, wouldn't know. it just dissolve? Yeah, but right isn't away? it some kind of sugar anyways? I don't know. I think it is I some kind of. It, but it's I, I don't know like what, like the coating is or something. Yeah, on I don't it? know. We're not putting glitter in the beer. Ain't having it. You should put some glitter in Goldie's Best Bitter. Oh. Goldie's Best Glitter. Bill Goldie's Best Glitter. You know, it's That's funny. That's a great idea. So we, you know, and we're. I you can use that for free. We'll use it for <laughs> yeah. free. Thanks, Chris. Really no appreciate that marketing tip. <laughs> we make old That'll put you beer. on the map. It, yeah. So I'm already <laughs> on the map. I looked at Google and there I am. So. But seriously, let's get back to serious business here. Right? Yeah, making Goldie's best glitter. So <laughs> the, I love that. But speaking about glitter, <laughs> we make old-fashioned beer at Milk House. We do. We are old-fashioned. We use none um, of the good hops. I'm, I'm all, sorry. Actually, we, your beer's really, really we, good. We use all of the <laughs> best hops. <laughs> so every last. I don't one feel of like them. I don't. But we because we do use like we won't be, make a beer that with hops that we can't grow in Maryland. We just yeah, and you know all those hops, the Simcoe and the Citra and the Mosaic and well, the proprietary—they're all proprietary. I couldn't grow them if I wanted to because I yeah. can't. They're not going to give me a license. Well, I mean, you could, but it, it, someone would have a problem with. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. So I'm, and that hasn't stopped you, right? But I'm not. <laughs> but I do wonder what they would taste like if they were grown here. It would, I, I'd be they would be very too. different. They surely. would be different. Yeah. So the, now we did find a hop. Are there bootleg uh, galaxy seeds? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There yeah, has to there be might a be. market for that kind of stuff. Probably right. is. But I, we did find a hop that's from New Zealand called Southern Cross. And we found it because the University of Maryland got some to try as part of their variety trial. And we fell in love with this hop. It's not available commercially in, in the States. You, it comes from New Zealand. And when you grow it in Maryland, it is distinctly different um, than the it's New Zealand. It's almost like red, variety. fruity. It's like New Zealand's Cascade, kind of. Like just citrusy, kind of, you know. But it is really good. And so I fell in love with it so much. I planted a couple hundred, a couple years ago. And um, so we're going to start using that. We should have our full first full crop of that this, this year. year. And um, it's different for us. So it's different, but I can grow it. And it does really well in Maryland. So it's um, it's we'll use it in combination with other stuff. The other thing we did is we found a hop, and I think I've talked to you about this before. We found a hop growing on Ray Ediger's uh, place near Utica in Frederick County. Ray Ediger uh, was a veter- state veterinarian here, and he's uh, way retired. Anyway, um, I was at a conference, and he came up to me and said, 
you're the hop guy, right? This is years ago. I said, yeah, Ray, I'm the hop guy. Why? I got hops too. I said, really, Ray? He said, yeah, um, I've been trying to kill him for years. So I, um, I said, so I went out to his place, and sure enough, there was this huge hop plant. I mean, it had taken over his chicken coop and another shed and a huge maple tree and prolific. other buildings and his fence. I mean, this thing is huge. So Dell and I, Dell Hayes and I, we took some rhizomes and took some cuttings and, and grew it up. And so now Dell has some, and Brad Humbert has some, who is my brewer and a hop grower in Carroll County. And so we've made some beer with it. It's a delightful hop. We think that it's a land race. I gave some to uh, Brian Butler at the University of Maryland to try. So he's got 16 of them in his variety trial this year. He's going to get them genetically tested to see whether or not it's some old, you know, like cluster variety or something, or is it genetically unique? So we'll find out whether or not this Maryland hop. That could be like the Maryland exclusive. Exactly. So and we've so we've made a couple of casks of Goldies with it. We actually will have a cask of Stairway this weekend on with it. Oh, Stairway right. with Spanish cedar, toasted Spanish cedar. Have you thought about making a cask with glitter in it? Uh, no, Chris. <laughs> Goldie's best glitter. Goldie's That's really Goldie. so funny. I think I think I'm going to retire from the brewing business. <laughs> anyway, so we got this cool. So we've got so so we're experimenting with beer in a different direction than a lot of breweries. Um, we're not interested in making this, you know, a fruit smoothie or a um, a New England style IPA. Uh, we did make a, although we did make a very juicy, dank, um, dank, uh, <laughs> dry IPA, a uh, brute IPA that was um, actually delicious using hops that we can grow in Maryland. And the way we did it, and we we really spent a lot of time mixing hop varieties that we have. Uh, in different proportions and stuff to make this beer, and it turned out great. Really juicy and dank and delightful and dry as a bone. Do we have any of that left? She gone. She's gone. Anyway, so that was kind of an experiment in the modern beer era, uh, but using local ingredients. And we could make a, you know, a juicy and dank, um, citrusy New England style IPA with Cascade and Chinook, I think, and maybe some of those. Uh, Southern Cross, and it wouldn't be, um, you know, it wouldn't be like Citra and Simcoe style, but it would be pretty intense and pretty interesting. But I don't like the way they look. So in the current issue of Uncapped, there's the rundown of like popular trends in 2018 mm-hmm. or 2019. That's what year it is. <laughs> um, and I can't remember which brewery listed, but one of them was that Brood IPAs would yeah. be in. I thought it'd be awesome for like the, one of the photos for that article to be me sabering a bottle open. A br- and I was, yeah. yeah, and I was told I wasn't allowed to do that. Oh, bummer! Safety first. Yeah, that yeah. it wasn't safe, and they would they wanted nothing well. to do with me. I wasn't, and, and you can't get. I really want to do that. So sometime. do I. And I just found out you get you can't get Tannerite shipped to Maryland anymore. So it, we can't blow stuff anymore. up. It's been a long time because I've actually been looking into that recently because I have some stuff I want to blow up. We so we <laughs> we we, we used yesterday. to blow we used to, <laughs> we used to blow things up on the farm quite regularly and 
Um, the boys now, Caroline always got mad at us. <laughs> Rightfully so. We were blowing stuff Wives up. Wives are just buzzkills. Oh, well, and mean. we were blowing stuff oh, up. Always want people to be safe and following the law. And <laughs> Not scare the animals <laughs> yeah. the big, when they start to. <laughs> or bother our Sunday customers. That's what I got in trouble for. We were blowing stuff up and Caroline calls me. What are you guys doing? Blasting a cannon off down there? You didn't. You did not do that while you had Sunday customers. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. That oh, law, you're right. I didn't. You did not. It didn't happen. <laughs> that, that law went into effect in 2012 <laughs> or 13. Somewhere. It was a Monday. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, uh, can't get it anymore. Anyway, so yeah. Oh well. Anyway, I know Flying Dog used to blow a lot of stuff up too with it. Oh yeah, because they they made that. Um, also would have been made while it was illegal. No, no, that was a that was a long time. It was ago. a long they time made, ago. Yeah, the um the Gonzo tribute yep. video what? they made. Oh yeah, yeah. They took a. I a was going to be there, and I I forget what happened. I, I for some reason um I was invited, and I was going to be there. Yeah, and I was Jim actually invited get, me to go to that too, and I. What yeah, was it? They, blowing up a barrel. They had a Stranahan whiskey barrel yep. that they. It was one of the um Gonzo barrels. Yeah, and it was for. It was, I think it was right before one of the Gonzo Fests, so, and it, it was on his birthday, they took a Gonzo barrel and filled it with Tannerite and shot it, and it went boom. It's a cool Nobody video. was killed. Yeah. Except for the barrel. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I've missed it for some reason. I, I don't know if it was, I don't, I don't remember. I wonder if they still have that video on YouTube. Probably. I'll have to link to that, because it was a fun video to watch. Yeah. Anyway, so we, uh, we don't blow things up at the farm anymore. <laughs> oh well. We're much more laid back these days. <laughs> no, no explosives. No explosives. No explosives. But we do. I tell you what, though, um, we still do. Actually, make you beer. can still get it if you get an explosives license. Well, I'm not going to do that. Far- that you that makes it legal. <laughs> well, then who wants to do that? Yeah, no. I'm- so what you're oh saying is you, you don't even actually have a brewery license? <laughs> no, I do have a brewery. <laughs> oh, so something new that you might not know about. Um, we have applied for and obtained our federal winery license. Awesome! So we um, we're going to be making cider because you have to have a federal a federal winery license in order to make yeah. cider. Even though cider less than eight and a half percent in Maryland is defined as beer, in order to make it, you have to have a federal winery license. So we got our winery license. And that was just a recent Maryland change, though, right? Well, it used to be seven percent. Okay. So it was always defined as beer if it was seven percent or less. I think now the change it's eight was mead. Ah, uh, yeah, it was yeah, mead. And wine. Right, so now we could make mead as well. Um, but Caroline would rather sell the honey rather than let me put it in mead, so forget <laughs> that. Um, anyway, so... Won't let you blow things up, won't let you use honey to make mead. I know. Jeez. Like, that's keeps wh- you alive. That's why yeah. I love her. Feeds you every day. And keeps you in line. That's right. It's not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. It's a two-man job. Yeah, so we're going to be doing the cider now, and... Um, we may even go ahead. We, I planted a vineyard 10 years ago around the corner from the farm. And so we may actually even be making some wine to sell it, not bottling or anything, but so we'll have another option you for. You should open a distillery. Have a farm distillery. You know, I have a, I have a, a distiller. No, you don't. Okay. Who is very interested in doing that. But I'm like, I already have an awful lot on my plate. Well, if you so, have someone who wants to do it, what do you have to do? Well,. Just write yeah, some I checks. have to get another. Yeah, the, I have to get another <laughs> license, and then another license, and then the county, and then the county, and then the county, <laughs> and then, um, you know, the federal license actually was so easy to get. 
the winery license. It was yeah, they do say that it's like a 93-day process. We got time, it like in three weeks. Which is a strange number. And we applied change. for yeah. it. We applied for it during the shutdown. Or right before. Yeah, and then we got it like, huh. yeah. <laughs> they were just rubber stamping everything leading like, up to the. Yep. <laughs> Looks good. <laughs> so it's, well, I think having a, already having an existing TTB license helps right. as well. Because yeah. you haven't gotten into trouble yet, no. so you may be stru- and uh, you know, trustworthy. So do you Maybe. know that our tasting Maybe. room will have been open six years, June 28th this year? So we're celebrating our sixth year in business at the brewery. You never had. I, well, I mean, I guess the um, festival is kind of an anniversary party. It is kind of, yeah. So, and it's in June. So it's during our sixth year. So we, so three of the first years of the Brewfest were Frederick Beer Week, and then the last have been because we can do the what they call multi-brewery activity uh, with our brewery license. So we just changed it to because we used to have to go get a Frederick County liquor license, and we had to file all this stuff with the county, and um, we don't have to do that anymore. So, because uh, we're allowed to do a multi-brewery activity on the farm, as long as it's other Maryland breweries. So, we can't invite somebody from Pennsylvania or Virginia. Okay. In fact, Larry and I went around because we really wanted to have Vanish here. Yeah. So, we thought, well, maybe we'll do a... Um, yeah, it, pretty much everything involved with... Everyone involved right. with Vanish is from Maryland. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. So, we wanted to do... So, then we thought, well, maybe we'll do... I don't remember if this is last year or the year before... But we thought maybe we would do a Vanish Milkhouse collaboration, and you know one thing leads to another, and it ended up never happening. So, but that's the only I way. I made we a could... beer with them too. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, it was good. A peach pie IPA. It was delicious. I heard about I that peach peaches. pie IPA. So you would have hated it. I probably would have. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't mind. See, I know where to get beer that I like. In your backyard. <laughs> In my backyard. <laughs> Pretty much. So anyway, so this, so this, not only is it our ninth annual Brewfest, it's our sixth anniversary at Milkhouse Brewery. You know what you should make to celebrate it? Grapefruit pale That's a great idea too. <laughs> but <laughs> I was gonna say a cask of Goldie's glitter. <laughs> you know, don't tell Harry because it might happen. I will. He D- won't do it. Darn it, Chris. <laughs> he won't do it. So what size brew house do you have? It's a 10-barrel. We have a 10-barrel brew house, um, and we brew about once a week. So we make about 400 barrels a year. That's about it. And most of that, well, a majority of it, I think, is sold out of the tasting room and at farmer's markets. So we're still in a bunch of farmer's markets. And the rest we wholesale. We're in a few um, select locations. We're at the Woodbury Kitchen in Baltimore and... Actually, I, I should defer to Sarah because I have no idea where we are, actually. Yeah, a couple of places in Baltimore, the Keys Stadium, Maxwell's here in Frederick, Morgan's. And you aren't bottling anymore, right? Not anymore, no. no. We will be bottling the barrel program, the barrel beers, um, as they come up. Um, that, Like I said, that's been – it's actually – three-and-a-half-year program now, and these beers are coming on, and we'll be bottling some of those in – Probably three seventy fives. Probably like late summer, early fall. But those, those w- and those will initially anyway only be available in the tasting room and at farmers markets, and then we'll see how they do, and then we'll talk about wholesaling them as well. Yeah, we got some cool stuff coming online. We have um, so we were drinking the nectarine farm to guard. We have a red plum farm to guard coming on, and then we just did a blueberry field hand. Found it. <laughs> oh, there we go. 
and um, a peach field hand as well. And then we have some different barrel beers coming up on the menu for the summer that yeah. we're really excited about. And these are with the the wild yeast that we found from the farm, and uh, or that we collected, I should say, because the yeast is everywhere. Um, and I wish we still had some of that barrel number six because it was just wonderful. But that, that's we still okay. have the culture. We still have the culture, and we can make it happen again, or something very similar. So, and our cider is going to be um, fermented and aged in barrels as well. It'll be a pub style cider, but fermented and aged. So you, in you like sour beer, though, right? Uh, you like some sour. Know. Some sour. Not um, too sour. Like I love a lambic style. Um, I our little field hand, the little the barrel beers that we make, they're more tart than sour. Uh, I don't like your typical kettle sour beer. It's just it gives me heartburn. I love a sip of like in the summertime. Our little field hand uh, is it's very light and pretty delicately it's sour. Like a Berliner, like a little Berliner Weiss. And in fact, we even serve it with um, Woodruff or raspberry syrup. But tip your typical kettle sour is too much for me. I mean, and maybe it's because I've gotten old. I don't know. I can't eat like I used to either. So it, uh, it ends up giving me you got there. heartburn. We're not there yet. Calm down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the answer is sort of. How about that? What's the best worst review you've ever received? The oh, best, God. oh, my God. Let's see. Oh, it was a Yelp review. I probably shouldn't even say this, but I want to say it anyway. You should. I found, so the, the people who bring up Yelp reviews or Yelp and TripAdvisor usually have the best examples of a bad review because the people who bad the people who go to Yelp put a lot of effort into their complaining. <laughs> well, this, so this was, so remember Ted Cruz spoke in Frederick? During yeah. The, so Ted Cruz broke and Abby... Casarella, who was our manager at the time, super conservative. Oh yeah, so she, <laughs> so she went there. There was a Hi, there was a protest <laughs> organized outside of the. He was spoke at the um, at the Weinberg, and there was a protest organized outside of the Weinberg. And Abby went, and the next weekend or something, one of our customers knew that she was going. One of our regulars knew that she had planned on going. So he asked her, well, so how was the protest? And she said, oh, it was fine, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, what? I don't understand. So what do you have against Ted Cruz? And Abby said, well, we think that he's dangerous for women. That's all she said. Well, there was a, a new customer, first-timer, behind our regular who overheard the conversation, wrote a Yelp review that said basically, um, if you go to Milk House, the beer is great. If you like drinking beer from baby killers, <laughs> and wow! He, upon further investigation, those are really far dots to connect. <laughs> upon further investigation, had reviewed a subway location in the area and said that the sandwich artist must have been a gang member because his hat was crooked. So anyway, needless to say that <laughs> unfortunately, Chris, you won't be able to find that review. Because it was taken down. Oh man! I know that was one of the best. Well, um, at least you you put it to memory. Uh, and we've <laughs> had the and we've had the regular the untapped ones where you know some woman gives you a one star on a stout. Uh, this with the response, I don't like stouts. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> and you, okay. you get those. Yeah. You know those don't count though. What I'm looking for is, is the something the, ridiculous. The, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. That that you you win that that's a good one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's really sad. It's not still up. Oh well. What um, 
other than the beer made in your backyard, what is your favorite Maryland beer to drink? Oh, my. I tell you what. I went down to Checker Spot, uh, what, a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. We went down to see Steve, and I fell in love with almost every beer he had. I mean, the man yeah, is making, making great beer. fabulous beer. What was that beer. one that they did that was the old Baltimore recipe? What was it called? I don't remember. It was just about, about to come out that week. That was yeah. such a cool it, it, beer. It's, it was it's, fabulous. Steve does such a great job. Uh, I even liked his watermelon beer. He didn't like it, but I liked it. So everything Steve, everything Steve gave us was wonderful. So right now, um, Steve is probably my best brewer, my favorite brewer in Maryland. What about you, Sarah? Mm, well, I'm like a. I think Tom's rubbed off on me. I'm like an old man drinker. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thanks. So, <laughs> I really like the more traditional stuff so all these new pilsners that are coming out i love but if i go to the liquor store i probably get a six pack of monument city penchant pills or they're brown i love monument city also makes some great beer they do you know i had a they're coming to Brewfest. awesome i haven't had it for a while but uh, a couple of years ago caroline and i were on our way home from the only farmer's market and stopped at brookville beer farm and I had and I had uh, the Pilsner, Filsner, mm-hmm. and That's I thought delicious. it was a really nice beer. And what I just had actually at Max's, we, they did the Maryland Tap Takeover last week. There was a Silver Branch Wit that was fabulous. Hmm. Every mer- every beer made in Maryland is fabulous. <laughs> you know when Guinness opened there, so oh, th- a lot of good stuff there. They made an all Maryland beer. Yeah, for their they still open. make them. Yeah, yeah. they still yeah. they have a. I think the last time I was there, I believe one of the beers. Yeah, they, they, they usually they do it pretty have regularly. at least one yeah. on, which is so cool. We're very proud of that. So heck yeah! What are we drinking, Chris? So this is a single malt whiskey made with twenty five percent chocolate malt and infused with Meridian and UK Golding hops, hmm. which were put into the gin basket made by McClintock. Um, thank you too for coming by. It's Thanks always a pleasure, us. Tom. Yes, I think I, I often tell people, hold on, hold on. I have one more thing to say. <laughs> I often, <laughs> you're way too anxious to drink that. Well, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, I often tell people that you're you're the that guy that I don't think I've ever been in a group of people where you're there in, in the conversation and you walk away and at least one person doesn't say, "Man, I love that guy." So if uh, only they knew. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah, it's usually people that don't really know yeah, you. Right. But Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but so thank you for coming out. It's always a pleasure, Tom. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Chris. Thank you very much. That was my microphone. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.